Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. The big day is in sight, your big race, where you want to give it your best. And whether that's a sub three hour marathon or just completing the marathon, it's normal to get nervous and doubt yourself. Well, that's what I'm telling myself this week anyway. For the last eight weeks, Irish athletics legend Sonia O'Sullivan has been trying to take me from a 5k PB of 23 minutes below the benchmark of 20 minutes, a sub 25k. The Breaking 20 Challenge has lasted eight weeks and we have done the work, the intervals, the drills, the tune-up race, the plyometrics and the long, slower than normal runs. We were four days out from the big day and Sonia is here again to tell us what to do and what not to do in these precious few bits of training that you have left. We'll also be joined by someone who got it all right over the weekend. Trevor Cummins, our friend and coach in Cove, headed to Spain to run the Seville Marathon and we will hear how he got on. To hear the extended cut of the show, get episode notes from Sonia and to hear her answer your questions directly, why not treat yourself to Premium Irishman Abroad on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. Sonia, you're back at Nike. How are things there? It seems like a ghost town from the photos you've you've been posting. <laughs> it's funny, you know, I don't even, I'm so used to it now, I don't even notice that there's nobody around. <laughs> yeah, when you're walking through the campus, you actually see this fella clinging to the LeBron James building, washing down the window. <laughs> you know, there's there's so little going on around the place that, you know, little things like that stand out. Mm. And um, yeah, it's still pretty quiet. And um, lo- thankfully for us, the gyms are open. Lovely. And we have to we actually have to go through a bit of a process at the moment. Uh, you have to kind of just accept it and not overthink it. Um, or you draw yourself mad, but we have to actually go to a building every day and you have to sign in and you have to show your COVID vaccination and your ID, even though this doesn't change day to day. Every single day you have to go there and you have to hand that in and you have to get a badge that then allows you access to the gyms. So it just means that you've got to go a little bit earlier when you're going through the campus and then we get to go into the gyms, which are really nice. The Coach K building is my favourite and um, the sports centre. And Bo Jackson is closed at the moment. So I think around the Nike campus, they're they're using a lot of this time to upgrade and, you know, as if they need upgrading in the scale of things. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's very few people around. It's still very easy to get a car park, which, you know, the last time I was here, I was warned that when I came back the next time, it would be a lot busier. And I I overheard somebody when I was sitting in one of these chairs in the, um, do you call it those, um, the boots? What oh, yeah, the, the inflatable pants. <laughs> what do you call them? <laughs> um, I forget what you call them now, the compression things anyway. So I, it's quite relaxing to do that. So I go there with my iPad and the uh, diaries and sit down and do a bit of work. But I overheard someone the other day saying that they're not now coming back to work until May the 13th. And what, what is all this about? Like, is this all COVID related? It's all COVID related. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Just, I don't 
I mean, they're behind every country in the world at this stage, even Australia. Perth yeah, I saw up. this. Yeah, they're opening the borders <laughs> yeah. in Australia. So mm-hmm. are the athletes away just because they're on a bit of downtime? So we are our team is back. We came back because we had our Lilac Grand Prix mm. last week, which was not too far from here. And then also the US Indoor Championships are going to take place back in Spokane as well next weekend. So, you know, it kind of wasn't worth going away again. So we've been managing. The weather has been OK, not not too much rain, uh, not as much as we had before Christmas. Um, uh, a bit cold out there still. So your body clock gets you know, just when you think you're getting into spring and summer in California and all of a sudden you're back into the depths of winter. Yeah. And um, but, you know, it's it's nice. It's, it's nice around here. And um, yeah, it's interesting just to see. It, there's very few athletes around the place at the moment. A lot of the other teams are still away. So, you know, when you're when you're here at a time like this, you kind of have the run of the place and and you get to know people like I know the people working in the gyms and all of a sudden, you know, you're kind of making a few friends around the place <laughs> because they're, they're all looking to talk to someone, too, because there's not much going on. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, like I kind of love a bit of me time. Uh, I've definitely in my game uh, comedy, the amount of time that you're just on your own. Uh, if you're uncomfortable with that, you won't survive in it. So I'd imagine that you are someone who enjoys, you know, a bit of, you know, just with yourself, time with your thoughts. But then there's a limit to that, isn't there? Or you're, you kind of want to want to tell everybody some stuff. You want to start talking now at some point. Uh, it will get busier, I'd imagine, with the, the team back and sessions starting back in. What is it? What does your schedule look like? And what is the what is the big thing that you guys are preparing for apart from the world indoors? Uh, well, the US indoors is next US weekend. Indoors, so yeah. that, that, w- that will determine if any of the athletes will get to run in the world indoors in Serbia, which is in about a month's time now. Oh my God. So, you know, there's still there's still quite a bit of space going on around. You know, at this time of the year, things are fairly spread out. Um, there's quite a good few indoor races taking place at the moment. You may have, I think I sent you on something last week from Lee Ven. Yes. And Jakob Ingeritsen was breaking the world record. Unbelievable. Over 1,500 metres. And then in Birmingham on the weekend, um, there was quite a few Irish athletes running really well. Sarah Healy in mm. the 1,500 metres finished second. And, you know, I think it's really important to see athletes, you know, placing in the top three and being competitive, especially now because with the, the shoes and everything, the times are a little bit distorted. And so everybody's running faster. So there's records being broken left, right and centre. But I think the importance is still, you know, to see, you know, if you're finishing in the top two or three, you're being competitive in the races, then you're moving with the technology. You're not just at the back of the field running a fast time and, you know, being satisfied with that. I think it's still very important for people to be competitive and to be seen out there fighting, you know, for those those top few places and making waves like that. And I'm Molly Scott as well, over 60 metres. Um, she broke the Irish record earlier this year. And then a few days later, Rash, Rashida Adelecki broke it again. And then Molly on the weekend in Birmingham equaled the record, 7.21 for 60 metres um, in Birmingham. Yeah, so it's great to see, you know, the, the competitiveness of people out there and and things like that, they kind of inspire the motivation, you know, when people see themselves chipping away at times. And when you have, you know, someone 
Molly and Rashida competing against each other to be the best sprinters in Ireland, it just encourages them on and inspires each other to be out there. Nobody wants to give up records once they have them. So um, if they're taken away, then they, they fight to get them back again. Big shout out to both of them because like, let's be honest, sprinting hasn't been Ireland's forte over the years. It's uh, it's great to have two kind of characters vying, as you say, a bit of a, a one-upmanship uh, going on there. I had a very peculiar week here myself in that, as many of the listeners will know, Tina unfortunately contracted coronavirus despite all of our best efforts. I mean, literally, if Tina can pick this thing up, anyone can, uh, because we didn't leave any stone unturned when it came to protecting her. But I'm delighted to say that the antiviral drugs have finally started to work and she is on the mend. But it has meant, Sonia, that uh, for a lot of the week, I've been taken over a lot of the responsibilities of the house while she's been isolating. Mikey has been accompanying me to the track and even went on one of the long runs with me. I want to give a massive shout out to Mikey. His first 45 minute run ran at a pace of 5.43, I think it was. I was blown (laughs) away at him. I was just like, look at this man. He really pushed it, despite admitting to me afterwards that he had a stitch. He had (laughs) <laughs> to push through the pain barrier at the end. Uh, he was a bit weepy at the end of the run, but uh, I think that's normal when it's his first long one. But I was so proud. This is the thing. He really stepped up and was a hell of a help around the house this week. But it also was that kind of bump in the road that I guess normal people like me encounter when you're trying to hit a target like running a sub 25k It made me wonder whether this thing was possible because, you know, it's not an ideal setting. Have you along the way in your career had weeks prior to big events where things haven't really gone to plan in the parts where you would like them to go to plan, but it all works out in the end? Yeah, I I think we can definitely overthink things a bit, you know, when we're preparing for something that we know is going to be difficult. And it's going to take a big effort and you can actually feel pretty bad. So, you know, you need to be prepared for the session tomorrow that it may not look like much on paper, but you might not feel very good. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to feel good on the day of the race. It just means that your body is kind of preparing for a big effort on the weekend. Mm. So it doesn't want to use up too much of the you know, energy during the week. And it's it's all a very mental and psychological I suppose, nervous tension that we start to feel when we're getting ready for something. And you probably feel similar at times, do you, when you get ready to go and do, maybe if you're going to do your, a new show or something yeah. and, you know, you've, you've got it all prepared, but you really don't know the reaction of people. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair comparison in some ways. And then in other ways, it doesn't stand up because with a, with a brand new show, you kind of do tune up races as many times as possible, like you will go and run out the hour, essentially try to run the 5k in the weirdest settings possible. So you'll take the show to a dingy little club and try and see if it'll work there. And if it works there, sure, it'll work in front of a thousand people easily. It's a bit like running your park run and going, look, if I can run through the mud that fast, what will I be like on a track? But with this one, I mean, we're 40 seconds out. I keep having that in my head that I was 40 seconds off before. And that's probably not the helpful way to think about it, is it? Uh, We have our pacers for the day. What do you think is the most 
helpful thing a person can think before four days out from it where they're allowing, as you say, an overthink to take place? Well, I think, yeah, you, you can't overthink it too much. Now, I was getting a bit worried last week when you sent me this message <laughs> and um, the potential negative effects of activities on 5K training and racing. And I can see where I can see where this is coming from now, because while Tina was locked away, and she was in there on her computer and, you know, buying you buying you nice presents online and things like that. And, and you're worried because the light housework has got like a two score here on the negative effect. I'm not sure what the two score means now, the cost. Yeah. The cost. What's the two? Is it two minutes? Is it two seconds? I, think, I don't know. But that is from the Pete McGill book that we've been raving about. Fast 5K, 25 crucial keys to four, to four, and four training plans. I was like, I kept sending this to you. I sent it to you twice because I was like, what the You're hell is no this? Reaction. You're getting no reaction. Yeah, you wouldn't react. That's when I know I'm talking shite when Sonia just blanks it. <laughs> But, uh, but I, I was actually thinking about when you were mentioning there about, you know, the work you were doing during the week. And, but I think if I saw a list like this now, and I, I have this book somewhere, I don't know where it is at the moment, but I have it somewhere. But I don't remember seeing this page. So I obviously just flicked over that very quickly. But I'd say you can go through there with a pen now and you can cross off all the things, <laughs> you know, that you, you haven't been doing this week. And then you're probably you're probably in the positive then, the, the negatives. I mean, I always, you know, when you... When it comes to stairs in an elevator, mm. I never kind of think of the negative. I always think the positive, you know, the, yeah. the energy that you're burning going up those stairs. And it's like a little bit of an extra training effect to walk yeah. up the stairs rather than to take the elevator or the lift. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but the thing is, when you read something like this, then you do overthink it and you kind of you make those decisions in your head in the week before the race. Like, do I take the stairs or the lift? Will I will I sweep the floor or not? Yeah, it's a very strange one. And uh, I'd love to get people's thoughts on it. It's on page 92 of the book. And, you know, it is potential negative effect of activities on 5K training and racing. And you're right, they don't explain really the unit cost, but it's it goes from lighthouse work to gardening, car maintenance, pick up basketball, gets a mention, and motocross for some reason. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, well, the, the pick-up basketball, that's high energy now, so you might need to lay off that this week. Yeah, I and, think so. Um, but I saw that you signed up for a yoga class. Now, that would be one that I think there's a little bit of uh, mixed messaging, let's say, when it comes to yoga in the lead up to a, a race like this. I'd say that probably the advice on you is don't take up anything new in the last week before a race. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, yoga is great, but, you know, it's one of those things that you can overstretch or you can feel a bit sore after it if you think about it too much. For me, it's just I'm not going for a run this morning. So I, you know, I thought I was going to have a sleep in and we'd have a chat a bit later. And then I managed to sign up for the yoga last night and realized that I need to get my act together and uh, <laughs> back on schedule, a lighter schedule, but still back on some kind of schedule to get myself up and doing something by nine o'clock in the morning. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, the key is don't do anything that you haven't keep things as normal as possible. Mm. And that's the big thing with this week is that you don't overthink anything. You just continue as normal. So you do your normal life because if all of a sudden you start 
taking like if you normally go and you walk down to the coffee shop or and you say oh no I better drive down this week <laughs> then that I don't think that's going to have a positive effect on you I think you have to keep your general life day-to-day things as normal as possible okay you're not right. saving it you're not saving any any energy by changing things like that because mentally you're overthinking it and you're mm. you're putting that stress in your head and that's the thing that we need to control the most is to be least stress as possible in your head and to keep things as calm as possible, as normal as possible. And when even when you get to the race, you treat the day as a normal training session and you kind of think, OK, well, this is what I do when I go to the track on a Tuesday. This is how I warm up. This is the time it takes. Like often you see people go to the races and they take weight. They, they start warming up much earlier than they do mm. when they're doing a training session. And no, you do need to account for, you know, maybe having a little, there's a few extra people around the place. You might need to get into the toilet, so you might have to wait an extra few minutes, but not that much. You know, you really need, you can account for these things without kind of warming yourself up too early and kind of being too ready too soon. So I think the mental stress of going to an event is so much greater that sometimes you forget about how physically well prepared you are that, you know, you you couldn't probably ruin it for yourself by thinking about it too much. So I think you really have to just go with the flow and this is just another day and you're going to go out there and have fun. And, you know, you just don't want to talk yourself out of it. And, you know, I had a little bit of an experience of this myself on the weekend because out of the blue, Trevor had sent me this like massive training session um, for, for the Cove 10 mile like oh, we're going along nicely and doing this kind of 5k training you know easy stuff a bit of leg turnover you know everything takes about an hour and then out of the blue I get this long run that's you know including it's six kilometers of at like a threshold pace but then the recovery between each kilometer is another kilometer floating so that means running at your normal running pace. So that's 12 kilometers all up. <laughs> and I'm I'm thinking I might include this in the local park run. And I, I kind of wanted to go down to the park run because there's not many of them around here. And this one, it's very popular with the Irish people. And mm. there's a lot of Irish people out here at the moment. And I've kind of been picking up on this. You know, you meet people every now and then. And um, the intel is not too far away. So there's been a bit of an influx of Irish at Intel the past few months and their social Saturday morning is at the park run. (laughs) Very good. So I'm tossing off, you know, whether I'm going to do my session out here or I'm going to be social. And so I had to split the difference and I decided to try and do the session in the park run, which is not always a good idea, especially if it's a bit undulating and you always go a little bit too fast at one point or another in it. So I did just three kilometers of this thing that was prescribed for me. And then because I just couldn't get it out of my head, I and I at the time I was debating whether to do it on Saturday or Sunday. Um I thought I just finish it up on Sunday. I'll just go to this we were going I was going to a nice park for running with um a couple of the athletes were going to go for their long run and I thought well I'll go and I'll just check in with them and see how they're going and Jessica Hull was there doing her long run with a little bit of a fart like in it. And uh, so I decided to start at the flatter side of this trail 
in Washington State, so across the border mm-hmm. um, at Lacamas Lake, and a lovely spot to run. And uh, I went back and forth with my 1K efforts and my 1K float. And it was amazing the difference of just doing it by myself as opposed to doing it under the pressure of even a park run, you know, lining up and someone saying, you know, there was a lady trying to take a photo with me as the starters are going three, two, one. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you can imagine what happened to that photo. Um, <laughs> we had we had to finish it at the finish line. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, there's definitely the, the men, you can get a little bit, you know, just things in your head can change how you feel. So I think the key is to stay as relaxed as possible and not to be looking in the oven too much this week and to check in to see how fast you are. So, you know, you do the session tomorrow. We're doing a little bit of threshold and then a little bit of 5K pace. And then you just leave it alone and take it easy for the week. And yeah, just continue as normal. Okay, well, we need to we need to talk to Trevor. She, Sonia refers to him there as Trevor Cummins. Train with Trevor, friend of the show. Uh, we're going to go to the live line and check in with him. Talk to Jar on 1850 715 815. Well, he's fresh from chalking up a new PB of 237 in Sunday's Sevilla Marathon running coach over at Train with Trevor, a friend of the podcast. Trevor Cummins is here. Trevor, first of all, congratulations. Must feel you must have slept like a baby last night. Yeah, certainly no difficulty sleeping last night, Charlotte. (laughs) That's for sure. Thanks very much bit different right from Saturday night when I didn't get an awful lot of sleep. But, really? Uh, yeah. Uh, listen, I think sometimes that can be almost expected, you know, a bit of nervous energy and sometimes with the, the overseas margin, you're nearly assured you'll end up living close to somebody who decides to have a party on the Saturday night. So that's always, uh, <laughs> that's always good fun as well. <laughs> uh, so Sonia, I don't know what you want to ask, but I certainly, the topic today is about race prep and the final week where your mind can be playing tricks on you. Sonia, do you, when you see a time like Trev's pop up in your Strava, do you think there's a man who got the prep just right? Well, yeah, I was following Trevor. I was tracking him on the um, the app. So um, actually, before I went to bed, since I was eight hours behind, he was about, I think, 10K in when I went to bed. So sorry, Trevor, I didn't <laughs> stay up. <laughs> That's okay. But, but when I woke up at, um, I don't know, early enough in the morning, about six in the morning, sometimes you wake up in the morning and, you know, you want to go back to sleep. And then other times you wake up and you realize that something's after happening overnight that you have to... Mm go downstairs and get the phone and check, you know, what was going on. So you were definitely one of those moments where I thought, right, I better go and check the results here. (laughs) So, yeah, no, I knew, I knew I could see all along throughout, you know, the Strava and checking in on Trevor every now and then that the preparation was going fantastic. And and that's like, I suppose, that's probably a good 80 to 90% of what's required is having the preparation done. And then, you know, as Trevor mentioned there, he said the small little bits at the end that can throw you if you allow them to, or you can, you know, work out how to manage them. And that's where I suppose the, the mental preparation and the acceptance of, you know, 
where you're at and who's rooming next door to you and well, things like that <laughs> come well, into effect. Well, Trev, I believe the acceptance of where you at, where you are at, was not something that uh, worked out exactly to plan over the weekend, and that you wound up with the elites. How did this come about? Yeah, that's a funny story that uh, all came about on Friday. So I was doing a, you know, a favour for a couple of the guys that were travelling over from Cork, included um, was one of the guys that I was coaching, Carl Jackson, who ran really well. Uh, he ran three hours and two minutes, which was a big PB for him yesterday. Uh, I think it was uh, about 10 minutes faster than he had ran in his uh, in his 20s, which wasn't last year or the year before. So he's... Uh, wow. He's really happy with that. But uh, in advance of the race, we realized that Carl's starting block was was actually behind where he should have been. So he was allotted the three hours and 45 minute starting block, which would have seen him having to get through a lot of people, obviously, to get up to where he needed to be. So I made an inquiry and to start to support his claim of moving him up to the three hour block I had a, a race result from a couple of years ago where he had ran uh, 64 minutes for 10 miles. But Flip. our friend in the expo, our, our Spanish friend in the expo who was helping us, he jumped a gun slightly and he, he presumed that the 64 minutes was for a half marathon. And uh, on, on, site, on site of the 64 minutes, he was telling me, Elito, Elito, Elito. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, well, not quite. We're hoping he'll be an elite athlete someday, but uh, he produced the, um, the 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 bracelet or the the um, yeah the the bracelet and the, the number bib for the elite section, which I sort of put into my pocket very quietly, and then <laughs> I made, <laughs> I uh, I slowly corrected him because I didn't want to make any sudden move to upset things. So I slowly corrected him that in fact, car's time was for ten miles. He realized that it was actually a three-hour block he should have been in. So he gave me the bracelet for the three-hour block and the bib. And I took all of said entry information and thanked him very much and uh, <laughs> moved on quickly. And uh, yeah, so that's that's my little story. It's uh, it's not quite running with the Kenyans, but uh, I was certainly warming up with them. So that's uh, good enough. Very <laughs> good. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Now, they're not trying to chase you out of the country looking for that wristband <laughs> and uh, get deported back to, to Spain for stealing this. Uh, it is, uh, it was being amazing feeling though, Trev, to, to feel what you felt where it's like, Sonia said the work's done and it's going to plan. Uh, you obviously didn't have that feeling in Berlin. Can you compare the two experiences and remind the listeners what happened in Berlin versus what happened this weekend? Yeah, I suppose yesterday was just a pleasant experience for a lot longer. And it did, it did occur in my mind, I suppose, a few times, particularly around the halfway mark when I was going through pretty much spot on where I planned to be at halfway and feeling really good and, and just realizing, I suppose, that, wow, this is this is so much different from in September in Berlin, where by that point I was I was cooked, you know, and it's very hard, I think, when you're reflecting on any performance that, you know, you can pinpoint the, the success or maybe the disappointment to exactly one thing. But it's possible that the conditions in Berlin, uh, like high humidity, high mm. temperature, from the early stages were a big factor in that that meltdown and you know the heat w- was possibly 
a factor towards the end of yesterday's race. And I just probably felt that although things were going really well for me yesterday at halfway, I looked to pick up the pace from there. Um, and I did manage to string maybe probably five, six kilometers at a quicker pace together. But by the time I was at 30 kilometers, I was then starting to feel like I was doing probably a little bit more work than I than I should be at that stage. And I think the last five, seven kilometers yesterday, they were they were challenging. But thankfully, I think the, the accumulation of training that I've done through last autumn and so far this year probably meant that I was able to just hang on and it didn't completely derail me like it did in Berlin. So I was just a little bit stronger, I think, to, to withstand that. And it probably wasn't as hot, you know, to be fair. Well, it was something else. It was some unreal running. Just for people to put it in context, he was running a 3.42 pace for the whole thing like that's the average pace you were running uh, Sonia can you relate to that at all where you can you can feel like it's going to plan and where what Trevor's describing there is you're kind of managing the head game as you go well that's the thing with the marathon I suppose is that you can you can very easily set off too fast and feel fantastic but to be able to set off at the pace that you want to maintain for as long as possible it takes a lot of discipline to do that. And um, I, I know Trevor, he can run, you know, he could probably run about 10 seconds faster per kilometre and feel pretty good. But, you know, he, he'd he get to 10 miles and he'd be getting a bit worried. So I think, you know, what he did there was perfect, really, to just kind of stick to the plan. I mean, I suppose in the back of his mind, he was probably thinking, and I'm, I'm only guessing this now, <laughs> is that like in Berlin, like the, you can think that you can go faster. And the problem is that you may be able to go faster, but the risk is so much greater by doing that, that sometimes you have sometimes you have to play it safe. And um, I think Trevor, I think he said to me the night before he was planning to go out in around, I think, were you aiming for 2.32, Trevor? 2.33 was. 2.33, yeah. Which seems, you know, more achievable than 2.30. I mean, 2.30, you know, on an amazing day when you kind of, jump out of the box you might be able to do it but it's one of those high risk kind of strategies to do that and I think after you have a bit of a um call it a disaster in Berlin <laughs> that's okay that's okay uh, where the site where the differential between the first half and the second half is pretty big then you want to actually because you want to enjoy this and you work so hard to achieve, you know, success and also to enjoy what you're doing is that sometimes you have to play it safe and you have to go for something that is realistic and, you know, come away happy and to be happy and do a PB, you know, I mean, then the next time you kind of have to go back out there and say, OK, we might have to go for it again there the next time and see, can we do a bit better than Berlin? So it's always this kind of I suppose it's a roller coaster thing where there's, you have to go with the ups and the downs and then you you re- react to certain things, you know. So training mm. is one thing, but racing is the reality that you have to react to um, when you're planning, you know, what, what you're going to go after the next time. You had the family there, Trev, uh, and I was keeping up to date uh, on the Insta stories, which were brilliant. And I even watched you cross the line on Insta Live, which was great. But I wondered as well about bringing the family and I'm sure our listeners are having this in the same question, like sometimes you probably want to do things on your own and managing 
the kind of extra people can add a layer of stress that you might not need. That clearly is not a factor for you. Look, I suppose I'd be lying if, there, if I said there wasn't stress. You could certainly ask my wife, Vicky, and she'd, she'd tell you all about your stress because she probably <laughs> deals with more of it than I do. And she's a star, really. And we're really lucky, I suppose, to be in a position to to bring our two boys, Alfie and Charlie, with us. And I suppose just to give them a little bit of an insight into all the, the amazing people that take part in these events and they get to visit a different country. But I suppose... You know, you look at it from the positive as much as anything, and it's it's great to share these moments with them. And I think it, it makes it really, you know. Um, yeah. But but I must say, in advance, I suppose it's a very different... We say we, we normally get a few days before the marathon, and then a few days afterwards as well. And, and they're very... They're distinctly different, I suppose, from the point of view of the participants, in that, like, I'm, I'm very much absent from most of the family engagements that happen in the few days leading into the race. Yeah, and then once the once the job is done, I suppose you can relax and be a tourist as well with them, you know. But yeah, I think that's important, you know, that you start to prioritise the event firstly, and then get on with the the celebrations if you like afterwards, you know. I don't know about uh, what we'll have said by now in the podcast because we're obviously recording this separate to myself and Sonia talking about the final week of prep for my attempt to break 20 for 5k which seems so silly compared to the times that you're running there for a monstrous length of time Trevor like you know to run that speed for that long you must remember though the first time that you broke 20 and did it feel like a milestone or a benchmark at the time? Ah, I think listen whatever level people are at you know, however long they're running, if you're if you're brave enough to have a bit of a, and a, a bit of ambition and a bit of a target, that should be champions, isn't it? And mm. that doesn't matter whether it's twenty minutes for five k or three or four hours for the marathon. I mean, we were sitting down yesterday after the marathon. It took us a good while to get from the finish line, meet up with family afterwards. We sat down, we had chips, we had burgers, we had milkshakes, and we we were we were going back to the apartment and there was people still finishing, you know, and it's amazing. I saw in that sense, I think everybody must be commended for just putting the runners on and getting out the door. And we're excited for your breaking 20 projects to, uh, <laughs> to see the, the, the full realisation at the weekend. You must be excited. Well, you know, this is what this episode is about, that probably my head is playing a few tricks on me, because unlike the two of you, I, I'm just not used to being in this situation. And I think that's part of the reason that people like listening to this story is because I'm much more like the average person who's given this a go, that all kinds of stuff is creeping into my head about not being able to do it, messing it up, disappointing people. And also just as Sonia's already warned me, going out too fast, which is obviously a mistake that both of you have made where, oh, God, I'm full of beans and bouncing off the road here. Let's see how fast I can go. How yeah. do you restrain that urge, guys? I think you will have to engage your pacemakers <laughs> to be talking <laughs> to you. <laughs> and um, we, we'll see now how, how good they are. <laughs> it, mm. It's a test for them as much as yourself and for you to listen as well, I think. Right. Um, so because good. the thing is, that first kilometre will feel really easy. And it's all relative, you know, whether it's 5K or a marathon. It's all like the first when the gun goes off, there's that huge amount of like 
adrenaline and energy and all of a sudden you feel like you're flying but you know you can't keep that pace going for however mm. long away the finish line is in the race that you're doing yours is the 5k yes, and because I'm... the five the 5k can sometimes be harder because mm. it's more intense like i was reading a thing there about the week during the week about i can't remember who it was now but he was an ultra guy and did a lot of like massive endurance events but then he decided to take on the challenge of breaking five minutes for the mile and that was nearly harder than any other challenge he was doing i think he was doing things like 12 like what do you call them ironmans in a row or some stupid stuff like that (laughs) but then to train for one single five minute mile it's much harder to do it because the intensity is so much greater Mm, and even though it only takes five minutes Mm. like this the preparation and the lead up into it is as intense and it's 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 difficult to do so you know you can't really compare distances and think that just because it's further means that it's a greater achievement or Mm. that it's a harder achievement you've got to weigh everything up and look at it you know for what you're doing right now and not really compare it to what other people are doing and then also you just have to look at yourself and where you're at and what you can actually achieve and realistically achieve and um you know you with running something like the 5k you can't really bank too much time in the early doors or you'll be paying for it later on so uh on the one hand you're saying i'm just as good as trevor uh Even, even better. <laughs> and you're also suggesting that we get maybe one of those kind of toddler leashes that you get for, you know, kids and have my pacers put me on one of them and cling on for dear life. Trevor, it's so much fun to talk to you all the time. I hope you'll come back on uh, for the next adventure that you go on or maybe to talk to us a bit more about strength and conditioning. But uh, safe travels and congratulations again. Thanks, Charlotte. Thanks, Sonia. All the best. All right, we're- well done, Trevor, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. We're going to head over to patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad for the rest of the show. We're going to go round the parishes, answer a couple of your messages in the mailbag and a few bits more advice on the final week of prep. Not checking the oven is a phrase that Sonia has used a few times here. We're going to explain that. I think we need to look at that because that is a tempta- tempting thing to do. Uh, cooking or running wise, not checking the oven. I don't, I don't know how you resist it sometimes. We're going to find out more on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. One of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically, you know, exercise wise. Imagine, you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress.